just tuned in to join the Word with beloved Bible teacher and author Pam Jenkins. And we're so honored that you would join us in the opening of God's Word. Today is going to be a marvelous day in the Word of God as Pam opens up the very pages that give us life and give us purpose. So let's join Pam now as she reveals the truth of the day. How do we look at Christmas through the eyes of heaven? I want to see Christmas as we have come to call it and where we celebrate the birth of Christ. And whether you believe that it was on this date or not really is insignificant in the truth of just what is Christmas? How can we see Christmas through the eyes of heaven? Well, if we open up Luke chapter 2 and we begin reading, uh, we know that if you're familiar with the story, Joseph and Mary, because of the census, had to travel to Bethlehem because Joseph was of the house and family of David, which they had to go to the city of David because that was his line that he was from. Each one had to travel to their own city. Well, Joseph and Mary, that meant they had to go to Bethlehem because of the census, and they were um, ordered to register. So they were there, and Mary is nine months pregnant. I mean, she is fully Uh, pregnant at this time. And it came about that while they were there, verse 6 in Luke 2 tells us, the days were completed for her to give birth. So she begins to go into labor. And if you're familiar with the story, the events, you know that they tried, obviously, to get some room, but the city was full and the inn that they had there in Bethlehem, they had no room for them. But the man was kind enough to say, you know, I have a stable out here. Many have speculated, was it in a cave? Was it a a man-built structure? Again, that really is insignificant to the story. Some of the details are left out, but not the important things. We know that she had to go and give birth to what we would consider a stable, whatever that stable was made or however it was made or located. It was still a lowly, dirty place. And so she gives birth, it says, to her firstborn son, verse 7, and she wrapped him in cloths. She laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region, now not far away, right outside of the city, there were some shepherds and they were staying out in the fields and they were keeping watch over their flock by night. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to not know of Christmas, to not have the idea or the understanding or even the knowledge of a Christmas holiday? They had no they had no understanding or they had never encountered a Christmas before. There was no such thing. This is when Christmas as we celebrate it as Christians as we acknowledge it. This was the first Christmas. They had never known what it was like. No, had Neither had the world, for that matter. But here they were. It's in the dead of night, what we would consider Christmas Eve, the eve of the Lord's birth. And they're out there with the sheep, and they're keeping watch over their flock by night. You say, Pam, why is it so important that we understand, that we see Christmas through the eyes of heaven? Well, the first thing is that we need to understand is there's no resurrection apart from the birth of Christ. There's no forgiveness of sins. There's nothing. There's no resurrection. There's no new life. There's no resurrection after death. 
apart from the birth of Christ. Everything starts with his birth. Everything. This is our beginning point right here. And so here are the shepherds, and I want us to see the shepherds encounter. I just have three points that I want to give you in our time, our Christmas message together But the shepherds encounter, why did they encounter the shepherd? And how can we see through the eyes of heaven in this Christmas birth? Well, they were there. They were keeping watch over their flock by night. And verse 9 says, an angel of the Lord suddenly, I mean, out of nowhere, stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. Around who? Around the shepherds. And they were terribly frightened. I would be frightened too, wouldn't you? And an angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, and it shall be for all the people. Now this message was for all the people. This joy, this angel said, I have the good news. This good news is going to bring great joy. Have you ever wondered where your source of joy was? A lot of people struggle with depression, seasonal depression, or that holiday depression that comes maybe because we are losing, we've lost someone, or um, it's our first Christmas without someone, that it's difficult times, or it reminds you of a painful season, or family struggles, family challenges. But for many, the Christmas season is challenging. It's sorrowful, and life itself is difficult. Do you know what heaven wants us to see? And it reminds us, and they this message found in the birth of Christ, found in Christmas for us, is there is a good news of a great joy. And this good news that the angel's about to give them is where this great joy is found. Great joy means above everything. It's limitless. It's unexplainable. And it's for all, he says. It's for all people. Do you know that when you were born, you were not born into a life without the source of good news already being in place? Without the source of this great joy already having been given to all people? That includes you. That includes me. Well, this was the message that the shepherds were given this night. If anybody needed joy, it would have been a bunch of shepherds out in the middle of the dead of night in the winter. It would have been colder weather, out by themselves, away from people. It was a lowly position to have a shepherd was. And this shepherd encounter is so important for us to remember at Christmas time, every day for that matter, but especially as we look to what is the true meaning of Christmas. We see that they were staying in their fields with their sheep, their task. They were carrying out what their calling was. This was their purpose. This was the task at hand for them, and they were faithfully attending to it. They were keeping watch by night, listen, for the enemy, for those who would come in and attack the sheep. And because they did what they were designed to do, they had an encounter with heaven. They had an encounter with heaven. They were ripe for this encounter. And so this angel declares to them that there's this great joy. We not only see the shepherd's encounter, but we see an atmosphere of heavenly intrusion, an atmosphere of heavenly 
intrusion. You see, the Holy Spirit, heaven came in and invaded their presence, invaded their lives with him, with heaven. But it happens when we stay at our post, which we see the shepherds doing. And it says, for today, what is the source? Why is it good news? Why is it great joy? Because today, in the city of David, in Bethlehem, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I love how personal this intrusion becomes. When God invades our lives, when, when He in, in invades and permeates, when He comes into our personal space where we are, do you know that then we come to know that He's come for us, that the Savior came for us, This message had to become personal for these shepherds before they could ever go out and tell anyone else. But it says, he's been born for you, the lowly shepherds of the world. I love that that the angel didn't go to a king in a palace or an official or a wealthy person or a person of, of respect or a person that held a position of power or honor, prestige, a fancy title. You see, they had none of those, yet the message came to them. And he said, he's been born for you, the lowly, the lowly one. He's been born for you. And in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you, you will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly they appeared with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men, with whom he is pleased. And it came about after the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight there to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about the child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. And Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Do you know what? Several years ago, this stopped me straight in my tracks. Now, I've read the Christmas story for years, countless times. I can't even put a number on how many times I've either heard this read or I've read it, but I missed the landing, the soaking in the words found in verse 14, glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. And this is our our third point that I want us to see together. Glory to God in the highest. Have you ever said, God, or prayed these words, God, I pray you get all the glory. I want you to get all the glory, God, in this. I, I don't want to get any glory. I want you to get all the glory. And maybe before we've gone out to speak or to minister or to go into an interview or to have a conversation, a difficult conversation or you know, worship service, leading uh, leading in worship or singing a solo or teaching a Sunday school, whatever it is. Have you ever prayed those words? And maybe God did get all the glory. Maybe he did. But do you know there is a glory in the highest? If we would learn to change our verbiage, learn to change our drive, our purpose, our prayer, our desire to God, I not only want you to get all the glory, 
but I want you to get the highest glory. There are levels of glory. This moment right here, this Christmas, this first Christmas, the birth of Jesus was the highest glory. It was the highest glory. And you have to ask yourself, Pam, why was it the highest glory? What can we learn? What do we see? Well, from this birth to see Christmas through heaven's eyes is to understand what the highest glory is. The highest glory is given when Jesus is given through the agency of human life. You see, Mary, an ordinary teenage girl, gave birth, gave birth, gave life to Jesus on the earth. When Jesus, whenever Jesus is given through the agency of another human life, whether it's a testimony, whether it's just turning the other cheek, Jesus can be given through the agency of human flesh, human life, in many different ways. We see this here, this spiritual truths in the birth of Christ when we look through heaven's eyes, because it's heaven that's declared this is the highest glory. And you're going to find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. For this night he's been born unto you, your Savior, my Savior, to the world. Whenever Jesus is given through the agency of human life, that's glory in the highest. Glory in the highest. When's the last time you gave Jesus? That you just shared a testimony of what he's done. When you brought him to life in the presence of another, sometimes it's how we respond to conflict. Sometimes it's how we respond to rejection or abuse or hurt when we're wounded, when eyes are watching us because they know that we're a Christian. Sometimes Jesus becomes real to them. He, 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 he is born, he is, he is given through the agency of our life in those moments, those critical moments when we are called to the forefront to share our testimony of faith in the land of the living, in the hard and difficult situations of life. So when Jesus is given through the agency of human life, it's glory in the highest. But second, when the Savior is clothed with garments of man. You see, they said Jesus was not only born, but he's been wrapped in garments of man. Do you know that any time when you become a Christian, the whole, when you ask Jesus to come into your heart to save you, to come into your heart means you're, the Holy Spirit's coming in to dwell inside of you, to live inside of you, which is Jesus, because they are one. So Jesus comes in, and now what clothing does Jesus take on? He takes on flesh and blood. He's, he's clothed in the clothing of man. He's clothed in the clothing of man. When he puts on flesh and blood, if you see someone struggling and you go to pray for them, when you see someone hurting and you, and you go to try to give them comfort, when you try to speak truth into someone's life who's lost their way or someone who's stepped back out or maybe got back into addiction or is in addiction and you go to intercede on their behalf and plead with them to come out or to come back to the Lord. When you choose to forgive someone, when you choose to love and to show compassion or mercy, that's Jesus being clothed with human, human clothes, 
with the clothing, with the swaddling clothes of the earth. What a wonder that is. What a wonder that is for the world to see. You see, Jesus was meant when God sent him to the earth to be swaddled in human clothes, to take on flesh and blood. Whenever we give Jesus, and he comes through the the agency of human life because Mary birthed Jesus on this earth, but then when he actually is found and clothed with, with human clothing, that's seeing Christmas through the eyes of heaven. And third, when the path to get to Jesus is made clear. Because the angels told the shepherds, this is a sign for you. This is where you're going to know. This is how you get to him. You see, when we make the path to Jesus clear, that's glory in the highest. How can I get to Jesus? Just take me to Jesus. I want to I wanna get to Jesus. I, I think of Mary Magdalene with these words. Just tell me where you've laid him. In that garden, when she was looking for the body of Jesus, when his body was missing, she said, I don't care who you are, just take me to him. What have you done with Jesus? I just want Jesus. Just give me Jesus. And you see, when we make the path to Jesus clear to another, when we're willing to be so bold and say, has anyone ever told you how to get to Jesus? Well, let me sit down and let me tell you, let me show you the way to him. This is what the angels did with the shepherds that night. And then lastly, when the Savior is made approachable, when the Savior is made approachable, when I first became a Christian, I was scared to death of the women in the church who had been walking with the Lord for a long time. And the church I was in was was legalistic and they were not approachable to me. Jesus was not made approachable when I first came in before I, even before I was saved. I didn't feel like I could approach Jesus. I didn't feel like I could approach them. I felt like I, I wasn't clean enough. I wasn't right enough. I wasn't good enough. I wasn't in a position to even be worthy to walk through the doors, let alone get to Jesus. But when we see Christmas through the eyes of heaven, when we see that Jesus was born in a manger, in a stable, a manger was a trough where animals were fed. It was a trough, a dirty, filthy, lowly place our Savior was born in. And if you think about it, there's no intimidation. There would have been no intimidation for these shepherds if they had been told he's come and he's king and he's lofty and high on a throne in the palace over in Jerusalem. We want you to go there. And they would have not felt worthy, no doubt. It would have been very intimidating for them to approach the Savior that way. But you see, he came as a baby. He didn't come as a conquering king. He didn't come as royalty, even though he was the royalty of heaven. He came as a baby. If you think about coming to a baby, if you've ever approached a baby someone was holding or in the nursery, there's no intimidation to approach a baby. We don't worry about our position. We don't worry about any of those things or, you know, how, if, if the baby's going to think we're pretty or, or, or handsome or we're not worried about approaching a baby. A, a baby, there's nothing intimidating. There's nothing fearful about approaching a baby, drawing near to a baby because babies are so vulnerable. They're so pure and innocent. Anyone can approach a baby. Anyone 
But where the baby was is so important. Where baby Jesus was born, in the lowliest of places, in the dirtiest of places, our Lord was born. Do you realize that the first time that Jesus' presence collided with the earth physically was on the plains of dirt, the lowest place that one could find themselves. We, I grew up on a farm, and I many times had to go out to the stables to slop the pigs and collect the chicken eggs and feed the chickens and brush down the horses and drop, drop feed and hay for the horses. So I understand how smelly a barn is, a stable would be, anywhere where livestock, where chickens and pigs and all of that would be kept. It has that odor to it, that place. But you know, out of all the days, which was every day my chores to go down to the barn, I never went to the bathroom first and looked in the mirror and checked to see how I looked. I didn't check to see if I was... If my face was washed, if I was presentable with my clothing, what did I have on? I never worried about those things. Why? Because no one in the stable was worried about the way I looked. I didn't have to have a title or a position. I didn't have to clean myself up and present myself in a, in a certain manner to go slop the pigs or to feed the horses. They didn't care. Because the atmosphere of the stables was one of lowliness. It's humble. You don't have to worry about who you are to walk into a stable. Anyone can go into a barn. Anyone can go in just as they are. And so the first time that Jesus' presence invaded the earth, he came in that humble, lowly place to show that anyone, no matter who you are, you ain't got to clean yourself up. I hear people all the time, oh, I couldn't go to church. I got to get myself cleaned up first. If we would just... Take them to the story and say, do you know the first time that Jesus came to earth? That it was on a lowly plain in a stable. You don't have to, the shepherds didn't have to clean themselves up to go to the stable to see Jesus. But do you know the first time that I met Jesus, that he collided with my world? I'm so thankful that I didn't have to clean myself up. That I didn't have to perform or I didn't have to pay or I didn't have to earn my way into that lowly, humble place. Because he came for those who were lowly. He came to associate with the lowest of the low. He came to reach those who no one else would give the time of day to. He came to reach those who were sinful. Even Jesus himself said in his earthly ministry, only the sick need a doctor. He said, I came for the sick. I came for the needy. I came for those who who know they're lowly. Who know that that they're humble and they're not, that they're not worthy. Those kind of people, that's the one that I came to save. Only those who are sick need a physician, he said. You see, you and I this Christmas, we can approach the manger. If we would turn our eyes to the manger and call out the words, Oh God, glory in the highest. If you would just think back to the day that you met Jesus and he became your Savior, Do you know, even if you've blown it now, even when we leave the stable after finding Jesus as our Savior, and we go out into the world and things happen, we blow it, we make bad choices, we get back into sin, do you know that Jesus can be found right where he was this same night? Because that's where you find him. 
That's where he's approachable. He started on that level and he remains there today in his approachableness. We can come boldly to the throne of grace in time of need. Why? Because of he was born in a manger. He's an approachable Savior. Can you make Jesus approachable to people? If thinking back in my early years of being a Christian, and I was young, I was only 18, for years I struggled with identity. I struggled with confidence, still do sometimes. But when I discovered the truth found at Christmas, it changed my world. It changed my walk. It changed my demeanor. But it also changed the way that I portrayed Jesus to the world. I want him to be approachable to people. I don't ever want to be high and lofty. Jesus wasn't on this earth. And while we're on this earth, we need to remain in a manger level of ministry with people. That anyone can come to Jesus. Anyone can come to us. Make Jesus approachable this Christmas, even to your family even to those who are so difficult. And see heaven, see Christmas through the eyes of heaven. I want to wish you and your your family a Christmas filled with the hope that comes from the manger. And may you go boldly to him this Christmas with you and your family and whatever your struggles are, no matter how far you've strayed. The stable and the manger are always there. He's always approachable. You've been listening to Join the Word with beloved Bible teacher and author Ben Jenkins. Here at JBOP Ministries, we're so honored that you would join us for the reading of God's Word. We pray that today's message has been an encouragement to your soul. Join us next time for Join the Word with Pam Jenkins. God bless y'all.